We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, And I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. What's good, everybody? You're getting the show a little later than usual, a day later. But I'm going to be honest with you guys. I really didn't want to come on and record something this week. Obviously, you could tell in the title of the episode, it's going to be a little bit different than usual. But I felt as if it wouldn't be right and authentic to myself if I didn't use this platform to address certain things and to talk about the things that are going on in our country and I went out and I found a good brother of mine, a good friend, someone that I learned from, someone that I respect so much and someone Steph who I feel like I'd be doing a disservice to you if I didn't use my platform to talk about it because of how my relationship is with you playing with you, high school football, learning so much from you. El Capitan, Stefan Kelly, his second appearance on the show. What's up, my brother? What's up? How you doing, Nick? 
Good, man. Good, man. Wish we were talking under different circumstances, but we'll have a little fun with this one, too. But I do feel like it's very important to talk about some of the things that are going on. And Steph, I, I'm, I pride myself on being very authentic, uh, very um, like real. And I know a lot of people throw that out a lot, but I like to just share my experiences and my stories. I never want to put it on someone as far as like, oh, this is how it got to be. This is what it got to be. This is who you need to bet on. This is who's going to. It's like, nah, man, these are the research that I've done, what I've understood, no matter what it is. And I just share my stories. I think it's the wrestling fan in me that loves the storytelling. And I know I've went on on a little bit of a, 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 a longer intro than usual, but it was something that I felt was very important for me that, that you're on, and I appreciate you giving me your time. Well, thank you. I appreciate you. Like I said, everyone who has a platform doesn't want to have these tough conversations, so I definitely appreciate you You know, putting yourself out there and having that conversation. I'm sure all your listeners probably won't agree with it, but you're doing it anyway. That's the kind of person you are. So, Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I have a little bit of a dilemma with a lot of people because I do think... I do think a lot of people tend to there's a pile on culture in, in with social media, um, yep. whether it's good or bad. Right. Like the Grammys are on everybody. All of a sudden, listen to every album. Right. Yeah. And like everyone got their input. And then, you know, um, the Super Bowl is on and then everyone's a PFF analyst. Yeah. And I do think that sometimes people, they see something and they want to run to it and they want to just be down with that moment and they don't want to be forgotten about for that day. Uh, Anthony Jeselnik is a comedian that I like, and he talks about uh, thoughts and prayers. He goes, the people I hate the most on the internet is when something happens and they just go out there and they tweet out my thoughts and prayers. And then he's like, you know what that does? Fucking nothing. You don't show no compassion. You don't show no empathy. You don't show nothing. The only thing you're doing is don't forget about me today. I'll send you the bit afterwards because I think it's I think with every I've been watching a lot of stand up, man, because I do feel like they're the philosophers of our generation. For sure. And there's there's a lot of truth behind every joke. And where I'm getting to with the social media thing is there are a lot of people that were hitting me up and asking me about why I haven't said anything. Um, I wrote my message when I did about my high school teammates, uh, my two roommates, Muhammad and Jeff, African-American dudes, one from the Bronx, one from Long Island, uh, one's Jamaican, one is Haitian. And I lived with them for two years and I had conversations that I never had before, or I saw experiences through them living with them that I was like, Oh, I really don't know anything that's going on. And that's why I wanted to have you on. So, dude, first and foremost, how have you been feeling as as a, a black man in this country? Um, you're raising a beautiful family and just everything that you're seeing, man. I, I, I kind of know what you're going to say, but like what are what are some of your emotions going on? All right. So it's definitely it's definitely a bit tough. Like, obviously, just seeing all things that are going on in the world. Um, experiences that I've had, you know, obviously I haven't been killed by the police yet, but I've had interactions with the police um, that you just don't know which way it's going to go. And I think the biggest thing when it comes to privilege, and I'm not here to push white privilege, that's like, that's that's a known fact, but 
I don't think a lot of white people, you correct me if I'm wrong, have to figure out if they know how interaction with police is going to go. Like, one of my biggest fears is, like, driving in a car and, like, seeing police lights behind me. Like, I don't know how that's going to go. Like, there have been situations where, like, people's resisted arrest, ended up dead. There's also situations where, like, people's complied, done everything the right way and still ended up in a bad situation. Mm. It's like, regardless of how I interact with the police, um, I don't know how that's going to go. Um, so it's tough. And obviously, like you said, raising kids, a black boy, um, which is my concern. Like, is he going to have to go through the same things I deal with every day? Mm. Um, and that's a big concern. Like I said, bringing people into the world is your responsibility. That's a concern of mine. Um, obviously, my kids are respectful. I'm a pretty respectful person. <clears throat> but like, sorry. But like I said, you just never know how those interactions are going to go down. I think the biggest thing that's disheartening is, like, obviously not seeing that people aren't posting. Because posting doesn't really do anything. Yes, it brings awareness. You're not moving the needle on anything when you're posting. But I think it's just the, the lack of empathy from people. It's like, it's always like, what aboutism? It's like, oh, I, I tell you my experience. And it's like, well, my experience wasn't like that. I'm like, well, our experiences are different. Absolutely. Um, and they assume <clears throat> that we're just calling everybody a racist. It's like, no, like, I'm just, I'm just here to tell you my experiences have been different. Mm-hmm. Um, just want you to acknowledge that. Like, I don't want you to go out and protest at the front line if you don't want to. Just want you to acknowledge the experiences can be different. Um, and like you said, you lived with black people, you lived, worked with black people your whole life, and you didn't have much of an idea of like what actually was happening until you went to college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people won't have that experience to, to have that eye-opening opportunity, you know? Um, so they'll just live their whole life in ignorance, um, watching the news, which never gives you, obviously, the proper side of any. Right or wrong, you never get the proper side from the news. Like, I know you're big on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Um, that's where I get my information because there's people on the street reporting mm-hmm. the actual stuff. So, yeah, like I said, it's tough. There's nothing that we haven't dealt with before and nothing we won't deal with again. But, I mean, I think for some reason this feels like this is going to turn to me. George Floyd feels a lot bigger than the rest of them. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think one thing that you touch, you touched on a lot of points there that I want to address the, the social media aspect. These things have been going on for a long time, right? Let's not be naive. Let's not be ignorant. Now it's just all being recorded. Technology, it's it's a gift and a curse, depending on how you want to use it and how you want to phrase it. But let's go into sports. The Ray Rice thing, right? Ray Rice gets suspended two games by Roger Goodell initially. And everyone's like, all right, domestic abuse. At the time, it wasn't really, uh, there wasn't really a precedent sent. But at the time, you're like, all right, two games. And then the video comes out. And then the report comes out that Roger Goodell saw this video and then gave two games. And then that's when shit hit the fan and this dude has not been in the league ever since. And I'm with that. Like, I'm not here to defend Ray Rice. What I'm defending, not defending, what I'm trying to make a point of is the visual hits so much different. Because... There was no outrage about the two games at first. The Those... visual didn't hit different, though. Right. It should not. Because if somebody tells me, hey, a dude knocked his wife out in the elevator, why do I need to see the video? Like, what what different in a video am I going to see that I didn't know by reading the article that he knocked his wife out in the elevator? You it, know? Yeah, for, for sure. And that's why I think with social media, when that video surfaced, and then going back to what we said, how now with the cameras and things being recorded and it's posted on Twitter... And I'm, I'm like you, bro. I get all my news 
Everything. The first thing I do when I wake up after I use the bathroom, brush my teeth, is I'm on Twitter. What's trending right now in New York? What's popping? Who got traded? Who got hurt? Who cheated on his wife? Like, what's going on? Like, that's how I get my news. And I think that's something that's evolved so much. And that's why you're seeing so much more outrage and people speaking up and people wanting to take a stand because it's it's everywhere now and it's being documented like never before you also said something about when cops are behind you right and the lights go up dude when a cop is behind me i'm just worried about not getting a ticket and a summons and and like points on my license i got pulled over i did a 70 and a 50 coming home from school uh from work one day in the work van that shit ultimately i've said this story many times so i don't want to (laughs) keep people's ears fucking bugging out right now but yo that ticket led to me getting four points on my license and then getting disqualified from becoming a cop and i had to pay twenty five thousand dollars of my own money that i saved up for years to get my food truck which i'm getting now to fight my case to get overturned so yeah absolutely i've been in a car with my roommate we took we took this girl jamie when i went up to buffalo me and my buddy jeff we took our car and we went to the mall. It was like a Saturday. We're like, yo, let's just go hit the mall, chill, whatever. Like, we got nothing to do. Uh, Buffalo weather is out of control. One day it's nice. The next day it's like 30 degrees and it's it's, it's early September. Yeah. And Jeff was driving and we got pulled over. And, dude, this is 2009. It's 2009. He's like, yo, thank God you're in the car with me, son. I was like, huh? I was kind of like bullshitting on my phone. Like, not really. Like, he said it to me. But I didn't really understand it at first. Yeah. And then... It was a couple of days later. I just told him, I was like, yo, what do you mean by that? He's like, bro, it's just, you never know. Like what you say, you never know. Like you can, you can listen to them. You could obey them. You could uh, comply with them, but it shit, shit just spirals out of control so quickly. And that's what I think. Like with the experiences, you learn so much. You try to understand. I can never understand what that's like, because if us two get pulled over, it's no, I don't have the same fears as you. Yeah. And I'm not going to pretend like I do. Yeah. And I think that's... that's, Cat Williams, uh, Pimp Chronicles, where he was talking about uh, you need white friends. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he was like, friends will call the police station and be madder than you are. Like, that's what we talk about. And it's kind of in a joking manner, but it's true. Like, I've been in a situation in a a car with a white person. Like, thank God he was in a car. Mm. Like, you know, like just those kind of things. And even just like when it comes to driving, back to that point... Just basic things like now that I consider all the time. So after the Philando Castile shooting in Minnesota, um, where he was reaching for the wallet as the cop asked for the license, like now I'm determining where do I put my wallet in the car? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, do I put it in the door? Do I put it in the cup holder? Where do I put my phone? Like, I don't want anything to be misconstrued as a weapon. And then also, if they ask me for registration before you pop open the glove box, like, now you can't do that. Or I feel like I can't do that. I can't pop open a glove box. Like, at this point, if I get pulled over, I'm going to ask the cop to get me out the car and have him go get it. Like, you know, like, that's my safest bet to survive one of those encounters is to have him do it himself. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just, it's crazy. We were, we were talking about this before we started uh, recording, just kind of shooting this shit. And um, I was talking to my mom about this and you know, my mom is 53. She might get tight if she hears me say that, but, uh, she was telling me about, cause now Netflix has all these uh, documentaries. And if you guys want to watch something very interesting and very eye opening, 13 is on there on Netflix. I just finished watching that. My buddy Muhammad, he's putting together some, um, 
uh, some charity uh, events and whatnot and to donate and to help. And he told me, Steph, to watch a couple of these things. And my mom comes into my room and she sees the the L.A. riots, Rodney King. She's like, yo, it's crazy. That shit was almost 30 years ago. She's like, I remember that vividly because that happened around my birthday. Like it was it was 91. Right. No, 92. And uh, you know, on March 11th, that happened on March 5th, and that was back then when like cameras weren't so popular as it was now. Yeah. It just so happened it was a home camera, and like you said, man, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Also, crazy, it's crazy, and even like other stories on Netflix. Got like the Khalif Browder story on Netflix. If you guys want to watch that, um, that's in New York City. I think there's a Strong Island, New York City. Um, a lot of things happen in New York City. Like that's a big thing too. People think New York City is like this diverse melting pot, which it is. But there is a lot of people who don't like other people in New York City. Um, I don't know where you live in Long Island now. Nick? Yeah. Uh, I was watching a story on Twitter about the Merrick. They tried to protest in Merrick. You remember seeing that? And that hurt my heart. I'm just like, really? It's like a sense of entitlement that you can't walk down my street. Like you know, like I'm not even gonna acknowledge the reason you're walking peacefully but it's just you can't walk down my that just took me right back to like that's like civil rights era like right back to people blocking Russia here you can't walk here you can't sit in the front of the bus you know what I mean that kind of thing and it's just disheartening in 2020 in New York and I've been to America a bunch of times like those type of things yeah and I want to say that it's uh you know being from Queens growing up in Queens it's one of the most diverse places in the world. Um, I think it was like 2017. I don't know how much has changed, but I don't think much has changed. They said that Queens is the most diverse place in the whole world. Yeah. Like, dude, you walk down Ditmore's or Steinway Street, you got you got a Muslim community, a black community, Asian community, Greek community, all on the same block. Yeah. Like, right? And then you go up a couple more streets, and it's like you got some Italian food, French food. You, you got like everything you need. So. I do think experiences is a big thing, man. Experience is the best teacher, right? Guru said that in a in a song with Gangstar. Like, and it's so true. It's so true because, Steph, I don't know if I'd be... I'm, I'm like shaking a little bit. I don't know if I'd be able to understand the way I do now if I didn't have those experiences. If I didn't learn from someone like you, you were, you're a year older than me. You were the captain of our football team. I still... You're, you're Captain Kelly in my phone, 83. You know what I'm saying? Bubba was the audible. Right. So like I still I still had that in my phone. And that's because like, yo, I learned how to be a leader through you. Right. I learned how to be the captain of a football team the year after. And I've taken that into like my life now and everything that I do. I feel like when I walk into a room, I just like I want to be that dude. You know, I like I like having that aura in the leadership. And I learned that from someone like you, from my roommates, my roommate now, Muhammad, he's his goal is to be the mayor of Buffalo one day. And they just had an incident where they shoved this old dude. It's I saw old. that. He's like 75 years old. And then they just shoved him. And like, yo, over 70, a lot of people that die over 70, it's like a, a, a random fall in their crib. Yeah. You know, because like they're, you know, they like crack a rib. And then before you know it, it's like they're bleeding to death. So it's like the, the shoving of that officer, it's just, it's just really, really chaotic. And if that's the big thing that's been tweeted out so many times is like, if this stuff is happening on camera, what's happening off? How are they going to justify that, though, the Buffalo thing? Because there's going to be some spin of, like, some threat he was to the officer. I'm like, this dude could barely stand up by himself. 
you push them down, the dude hit his head. You know what I mean? Like people literally come on Facebook and Twitter to go on comment sections to justify stuff like that for no reason. How do you feel about our generation being the one to be the ones to make the change? Because I do think, man, you know, my parents are in their 50s. Um, I remember my mom saying that her growing up, it wasn't acceptable for interracial marriages to be happening. Yeah. Where like now, where now, like I, when I was in Buffalo, I was dating a African-American girl for six months. And like I got looked at weird, and she did also. You're a good person to talk to. You're in an interracial marriage. I think our generation is going to be the one that can influence people moving forward because we grew up different, man. Like we grew up in in a situation that was completely different from what our parents and our grandparents grew up. And you're in an interracial marriage. Like what kind of how do you feel about that sentiment? So, yeah, I'm in an interracial marriage. Um, been married for three years now with my wife. Um, we met in college. <clears throat> Not really a thing where, like, I was, like, looking to date a white woman. Like, I didn't have a preference. Like, I've dated Asians, dated black women. Like, really didn't have a preference, but just the person I happen to fall in love with. Um, some people on the outside are going to say, like, oh, you hate yourself, you hate your mom because you're dating a white woman. I'm like, that's not true. Um, I even heard people say, like, hey, like, you can't be down for the fight if you're dating a white person. I'm just like, that's stupid, but whatever. Especially, like, my wife is about as down for the fight as anybody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and the thing for me, the biggest thing is, like, any kind of racist kind of stuff that happens, what I expect out of my wife is, like, that she will take care of before I can even have to step in, which she does. So that's the biggest thing for me. Um, and like I said, me having interracial, biracial kids, nobody in the world is going to see them as like white kids. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. Like my kids have a darker shade. Um, people are going to see them as black kids and that's what it's going to be. Um, so they have to teach them as if they're, you know, they're black kids, but they, they're going to know both sides. Um, but like I said, people are going to say like sleep with the enemy. But like at this point, like, I don't really care. Like I love my wife to death. Um, and like I said, I know she has my best interest in heart. And like I said, I've never echoed a bad word about any other women of race um, because that's not what it was about. Like, it wasn't like a preference of like, I only date white women it just happened to the one happened to be white. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. I remember um, anytime, anytime that I've, uh, I've gone out and I'm the same way, man. Like I, I never, I never looked at someone like what the color of their skin was or if they had money. I was like, yo, are you good to me? Are you cool to me? Are you dope exactly. to me? Like, that's what it really should be about. And I also think, like, Coach Brosnan used to say, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Right? Like, sometimes, like, yo, the answer is a simple one. You know, you don't need to always overcomplicate something. Right? Like, you just fell in love with this person. It did, that didn't matter. You exactly. Know? Like, and, and that shouldn't. That shouldn't. But you're right, man. And and one of the reasons why I'm, I'm, I'm voicing my opinion and I wanted to get you on here is because, you know, one day I aspire to have kids, too. And I know we'll have some like football reunion or some shit, or you'll pull up to the studio and we'll yeah. have something. And I, I want, I want the world to be different for, for yourself, for your kids, my kids. I'm gonna be like, yo, this Captain Kelly and the, and the fam, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like my roommate, I've already told Muhammad, I'm like, yo, you're going to be the godfather to one of my kids. Yeah. And I was like, yo, we got to make a change to just be better. Like, yo, it's so easy to be nice. Like, I don't understand why people are so 
just it, it got to be the ignorance and and that's not just like that's just a general like life term when people ask me about like yo how you know you're getting all these guests on and you've networked with all these people like what's what's the key to success or what's the it's like bro i'm just me i'm just nice uh i go out of my way for people and i never expect anything for return yeah at all and i think that's why things happen like i don't beg anyone to fuck with me i don't ask anyone to do anything for me that i'm not willing to do and i think just being nice i think the rock said it like it's nice to be important but it's important to be nice i don't know yeah. if that's exactly the rock but i heard him say it so and that's the people's <laughs> champ so i think you just got to be yourself man i think like i said empathy is the biggest thing and like understanding like no one's asking you to switch shoes with you but like just understand that the way you live is the way other people live um and like i said me being able like going to college in missouri um, moving a bunch of places in Arizona, I lived in Kansas, I lived in a bunch of places that like maybe black people usually don't live. Where are you, you at know? now, by the way? I'm in Reno. Okay. Nevada. So um there's a lot of there's a lot of you know, it's a little diverse here, but like I said, red state, um, next to California, which is a blue state. So you got people who move from California to Nevada because they don't want to deal with the the blue stuff, the super liberal stuff in California. Um so you get a lot of I mean Nevada is almost like Kentucky, like no joke, mm. certain places. Um, so you get a lot of ignorance. And like I said, there's some places where there's a town of 3,000 people. There's probably one black family in a town. You know what I mean? These people have gone from kindergarten to high school, never had a black person, never had a black person in their town, never had a black teacher, black police officer, black anything. Um, so it's literally all they know. And I'm not putting it as an excuse for them, but like that's literally all they know. And they absolutely don't want to learn. In 2020, if you're still ignorant to things like that, like it's not because you don't know, it's because you don't want to take the time to learn. Experience. And, and those are the people that I don't have time with. Like I have time for people who don't know, who want to learn. I don't have time for people who just like, that's not how it is. They don't want to learn at this point. What would you What would you recommend someone do? Like a white, if you if you were talking to me and I came to you and I'm like, yo, Steph, I want I want to I want to learn. I want to try to understand. I want to try to you know, celebrate and honor you. Like, well, first, okay. What do you want to? I mean, you want to learn the whole black experience. I mean, you're probably not going to learn that. So it's pretty big. Mm. So I, I, I try to list the things that you want to know about about police brutality. You want to know about um, police incarceration rates of, of blacks and how much higher they are than you know things like that when it comes to um, mandated sentencing and those kind of things. Just whatever you want to learn, and then. We can start doing research. Let's start looking up books and start looking up articles and start looking up people on Twitter who are like the face of those topics that you want to learn from. Um, you can learn a lot of stuff on Twitter. Um, there's a lot of people out there. You got like D-Ray, you got Sean King, a lot of people uh, who put out information that, you know, that triggers your mind to go look for more information. Um, those are the things I say you want to do. You want to like write research and then, like I said, just do research. Like, <clears throat> You guys are quick. People are quick to like pull up FBI stats on black on black crime. You can use that same to go find information of other things that you want to learn. Um, that's the thing I hate. By the way, I hate that rebuttal of black on black crime. I just want to throw that in there. Um, any community you live in that you live amongst the same people, you're going to kill the people around you. Like you know what I mean? Like majority of white communities are going to kill white people. Like black people are going to kill black people. Like it's not an outlier that black people kill. Like it's not an outlier. Like, they make it that. Um, you watch First 48, Forensic Files, any of those shows, 
it's white people killing white people at such a higher than blacks on blacks. You know what I mean? And blacks are minority. So you're going to tell me black people kill more people than white people kill white people and they're a minority. Like, just doesn't add up. But they're going to give you some FBI stat 2007 in a small city in Chicago that tells you that there was a 48 kill. You know what I mean? Well, it, 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 it's unfortunate, but you see that even in sports where, you know, if I tell you, like, yo, Sam Darnold is trash, which he's not. I don't want you to yeah. jump through the screen right now. But like you're gonna you're gonna pull up you're gonna pull up stats to defend yourself and to counter what I said, and then I'm gonna do the same thing. And unfortunately, that's also done in all aspects of life, no matter what it is. That's just that's just the nature of I think it's a pride thing, it's an ego thing, it's I, I never wanna admit that I'm wrong thing. Yeah. Where which is another issue I have with people, like, yo, just take an L on something. Exactly. Like, like yo, just, if you wanna pull up the stat that says Sam Donald's trash. And I pull up stats that's just touchdowns. I need you to pull up the interceptions as well. Like, don't just pull up the stuff that matters. You know what I mean? Or the things that 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 fits your agenda. Pull up all the stats and let's walk through them. Yeah, there there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that even if you present them the stats, the the the, the actual facts, not opinions. Like, yeah, yeah, these are the numbers. They'll still not buy into it. And it's like you present all these cases, and that just goes across the board, right? With, with, yeah. with just with, with everything, and you know, I want to tie it into sports because it's in sports too. And yeah. I know this is a sports show; it's a sports and conversation show, is what I like to call it. I like having these discussions. I like having these these talks, and especially when it's people that I respect and I and uh, I'm good friends with. It's like, dude, this is in sports too. Like, we not we can't be naive and ignore that. The shit that happened to Westbrook in Utah, you think yeah, you, you think the the guy was saying, "Hey, Russ, you suck," and that's why Russ wanted to jump. Like Russ hasn't heard no outrageous shit his whole career. It's like, nah, bro, that guy said some off the wall shit to him. Evander Kane, hockey player, African American, he's playing for last last time that I checked because you know there hasn't been hockey in, in so long, and I haven't really been following it. But he played for the San Jose Sharks, and there was a racist incident there. PK Subban now plays for the Devils. He's bounced around. He's been openly a big advocate in hockey, which in hockey also, it's a very expensive sport to play. Yep. It's like $300 for a stick. My buddy Espo played for NYU. I was in the stands with his pops one time, Steph, and his uh, his uh, his stick breaks, and his dad's like, what the fuck, man? Another one? And it's like, yo, that's a very expensive sport, right? And, and that's why... Hockey, like uh, to find a hockey rink, I don't even know where there's a hockey rink in New York. Like, exactly. like around me, I, I don't know. I don't know where to find one. Yeah, but like he's he's had racial issues. LeBron James, he moves to California, and they write what they wrote on his wall, right? Yep. Like outside his garage, and it's just FIFA. FIFA has a, a no to racism and racism campaign that they do. Mario Balotelli, African American dude, uh, national team for Italy. They're throwing bananas and shit at him, and they're calling him a monkey and all that. It's like, dude, he's repping your country. You're doing it in his own home stadium in front of his people. So it's like you can't say, you can't say that it's not in sports because it's in sports. CC Sabathia didn't he come out and say like, yo, I never liked going to Boston because yeah, they just violated me every single time. And it's different telling someone like, yo, you suck, man. You're terrible. 
And then when you get into the other shit that they say, like, yeah, that's why these players react the way they react. It was him. I think it was uh, Manny Machado spoke about Boston. Right, right. Uh, talking about the Russ thing in Utah. If you just watched the last dance with Michael Jordan, they talked about this thing in 98. Mm-hmm. How they go to Utah and it just be like those people, those Mormons. Yes. Yeah. Or, or what, what about when the Pacers were playing and they yep. go into Indiana? Like, Indiana, look up their history. They're not exactly the nicest people in the world. Home of Mike Pence. Just put that out there. So, like, they, it's, when a, when an athlete reacts like that, right? I always I always make this joke. One of my favorite events, Steph, is uh, Malice at the Palace. Because sometimes there's some motherfuckers out there you don't want to check. Right? Yep. There's some people that you don't want to talk to in, in, in any way because they'll come and check you. Ron Artest and Steven Jackson are probably two of those people. Yeah, and also when you step on the court and now you're on their like territory and you're in their like this is where they break bread and you're stepping on the court there. It's like now you're inviting for that ass whooping. Yep. So exactly. it's it's in sports so much, right? There's um there's the Rooney rule was implemented in the NFL for for uh, black coaches to get opportunities. They're trying to do this shit where you get a draft pick now. Which how do you feel about that? Did you hear about that? Which- which is, I mean, you want to talk about insulting? Yeah. Is hire one to get a draft pick to hire someone? You're already saying I didn't want to hire them, or mm. they're not qualified. But let me hire them to get the draft. It's just like whoever sat in a room of board members thought this was a good idea. Um, yeah, they don't get it. They obviously don't get it. Um, and we touched on the Drew Brees for a quick second. Yeah, yeah. Which also, which also, to, to cut you off, like, duh, that's what that reaction from that lady was going to be. Like, no shit. That was, that was a layup. Like, that did not shock me at all. Like, that was, that was kind of expected, what she said about Durant and what she said about LeBron and then what she said about Breeze. Yeah, Drew, uh, yeah, Laura Ingram, so we're talking about Fox News, which is just a cesspool of just people who tell half-truths. That's what I'm saying. I'm not going to say they lie. Mm-hmm. But they legitimately, intentionally leave things out all the time on Fox News. Um, and yeah, she told LeBron and them to shut up and dribble. And then, of course, she told Drew, oh, he has his opinion. What's the difference between the two? So LeBron and Kevin Durant can't have their opinion. Mm. Drew Brees can. Because Drew Brees' opinion fit their narrative about ever-loving military love and love fest of the military. Um which is untrue, by the way. So, but yeah, just going deeper into Drew Brees, um, him, you know, changing the narrative and talk about, you know, it's about the flag, disrespect the flag, and the anthem, which we all know it's not. And if four years later, Bill can't figure that part out, I can't help you, and I want to help you at this point. And, and what about Aaron Rodgers coming out? I thought that was a big, that was a big thing for Aaron Rodgers to come out and say that. Did Definitely you... a big, but Aaron Rodgers is always pretty vocal, right? About what it's not about. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he might not necessarily dive in about the actual issue, mm. but he's always been like, it's not about the flag, it's not about the anthem. He knows that. And I feel like deep down, Drew Brees knows that as well. He knows that. But Drew Brees had a history of just saying, I mean, he's anti-gay, he's pro-Trump, he's a bunch of things. Um, and they kind of give him a pass to the place in New Orleans, and I'm kind of like, Drew Brees really didn't have a choice. Like, his arm got ripped off. Um, he went to Miami, they didn't want to sign him with mm. Nick Saban. He really had no other place to go. So they kind of give him a pass because he plays New Orleans. Like, no, like, yeah, he's probably done some humanitarian things in New Orleans. But when a person shows you who they are, Reese has done it his whole career. 
Mm-hmm. Believe, believe them. What do you? How do you feel about like if you were if you were Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and they came out and <laughs> their their whole side switched? Like initially they were like kind of subtweeting, but you knew what it was about, or they were. Yep. They were addressing that and people were getting at Michael Thomas like, yo, you get at every wide receiver that comes at your stats. But like, what's good with your quarterback right now? Because he had those issues with, um, I forgot, was it? Oh, Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker. Him yes. and Devontae Parker. Um, so like, yo, how, put, put me in the shoes of a, a player, an African-American player who might have heard these comments from Drew Brees. Like, what's, what's that? I think it's different. So I think for the instance... They're in the locker room with Drew Brees. They're probably close. They think they're family with Drew Brees every day. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, so it's different when it comes from the outside to when it's actually in your own house. And now it happened in their own house. Obviously, initially in the day, they probably didn't know how to. I don't think Michael Thomas knew how to process it the first day. He's subtweeting and Drew doesn't know any better, all those kind of things. Um, I think that's hard to swallow. Mm-hmm. I think it's no different than like a white person who's not racist finds out there's a family member that is. You know, and it's like I've had all these experiences with this person my whole life. This one thing, do I make it break the entire relationship, or do I try to inform that person because I still do care about that person? And I think that's what it was. I think Michael Tom, not Michael Thomas, Malcolm Jenkins was super emotional. Yeah, and I think he was emotional because he thought he knew who Drew was. Right. And then Demario Davis, he came on. He was pretty level headed. He's usually always pretty level-headed, though. Former Jet, to, right? He was a Jet. Couldn't yeah. cover for any, but now he's all pro somehow. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Could not cover, but okay. He's good now. Um, <laughs> Don't worry, bro. I saw Eli Apple get traded to the Saints, and all of a sudden it was a lockdown corner for like yeah, six weeks. I'm like, where people. the fuck was that at? So I feel you. But he's pretty level-headed on that. Um, but I think it's the education. They're going to educate Drew. Um, and I think Drew's going to be better for it, but I mean, I'm still not a fan. Of him, because like I said, he just disrespect. Forget disrespecting other troops, but he has to understand. Like Malcolm Jenkins, for instance, like his grandpa also fought mm-hmm. in World War II um, for the exact reason Kyle Cabbage is kneeling. Like he fought to give freedoms, as in kneeling before the national anthem. But Drew Brees is trying to put it to where like hit people somehow more important because they fought. Um, and he also got to understand how people who are in the military get treated when they come back from serving overseas. I don't know if you know anybody in the military, but it's it's not the same. Like, I'm still a black person when I come back. You hear the stories about the GI Bills and the locals that they were promised mm. in World War II. I never got them. The white soldiers. Um, white soldiers got medals. You got some black soldiers still never got their medals to this day or got them after they died. Um, so those are things that Drew Brees is just missing, completely just missing the point on it. Um, and I think, like I said, they're going to educate him, but I think it's definitely tough when it comes from the inside. You think that's going to hurt their chances this year? Oh, absolutely. Yeah? I don't think ever... I don't think you can look at Drew Brees the same. As mm. a teammate, I don't think... Because you, you don't know... He doesn't have your best interest at heart. Can't look at him the same way. Um, I'm not even sure they can vote him captain. Like, I don't think they will, which is probably a big thing for him. Um, he might just do some public stuff and just, like, you know, like bypass the captainship you know what i mean he might just like okay i don't want it i don't deserve it he might come out with something that just makes him look so brave that right. he's gonna like pass up the captainship um i think that's gonna hurt their their, their chances for sure. I, I, I do and i also think drew Brees is not very good at football anymore so i think that's another 
another thing that's going to hurt them is just I don't think he's that quarterback anymore. So I think he's two years in the league longer than he needs to be. So yo, I uh, yeah, I agree with you. I I could pinpoint the game where it started to fall apart for him. It was that Thursday night football game against the Cowboys, two thousand eighteen. Uh, the Saints were like an eight-point favorite going into Dallas, and they fell apart. That was the year. That was when Pat Mahomes won MVP, but there was a lot of momentum behind Breeze. Rivers was in the discussion, yep. too. And then, yo, like, Breeze, I kept saying it. My hot take last year was that they weren't going to make the playoffs in, in 2019. Yep. Obviously, they make the playoffs. But I kept saying, I'm like, yo, he's no longer the quarterback that he once was. Like, that Rams game, like, pe- people forget, like, yo, you do that interception. You got the yep. ball first in overtime. You had a 10-point lead in the most, what'd you say, one of the more hostile environments and tough places to play New Orleans? Yep. It's in the discussion. Them, Seattle, maybe like when, when Pittsburgh is really good, that's a good spot. But and you blew that. And you know, he misses Ted Ginn on the deep ball too. The, there wasn't the same like oomph behind the, those passes he was throwing. So he doesn't have to Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I like when quarterbacks are back, quarterbacks don't leave the game the way they want to. It's like one day, no joke, their arm just falls off. Yeah, that's just what it is. Like. Oh, trust me, dude. I was rooting for a guy for since 2015 that didn't have an arm, so I totally understand. One day you wake up and your arm falls off. Peyton Manning's arm just fell off. Drew Brees' arm it fell off, and he has so many weapons. Like it's it, it's hard to see at this point, but you can tell. Like even in the Minnesota playoff game, a post route that was like 10 yards. Below, I mean, you know, ten yards behind the dude, they picked it off. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's the quarterback. So I don't think Taysom Hill is either. So I'm not going to start that conversation. But <laughs> well, they got they got Winston now. Fine, Jameis for a reason. Yeah. Um, and I think I think you know I don't know how good Jameis is either, but the turn the jury's still out on Jameis. Obviously, I think he has uh, immense talent, but turns the ball over too much. Interesting, man. Interesting that you bring that up because that's something I didn't think about because I really like – I was saying this about a month and a half ago. The I think the Saints are my Super Bowl pick. This is the thing. I think a lot of things is a line up. Like, if you look at the top of the NFC, like, who, can, who are the Saints legitimately better than? Mm. Like, are they better than the 49ers? I'd say no. Are they better than the Seahawks? I'd say no. Are they better than the Packers? I'd probably say no. I mean, are they better than the Cowboys? I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're probably going to win their division. Are they better than Tampa right now? Right. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I that's just that. That's a, the biggest. The biggest issue for the Saints is that conference is loaded, bro. Yeah. There's like legitimately seven teams that could make the Super Bowl from the NFC, and that's that's not even factoring the two random ass teams like like. Uh, San Fran last year, no one really yep. thought. I know I picked them to win the division, but they were seven to one. So it's yep. not like I was going out on the limb and be like, "Oh, the Pats are going to win the AFC East," right? Yep. Which was happening all these years. But you know, I thought the the Niners were going to be good, but consensus, no one saw that. So it's just crazy to think like, what's Philly going to look like this year? I know they made the playoffs last year. Uh, yep. What's going to happen with the Rams? I kind of like the Cardinals a little bit. I'm starting to de- develop. Say- yeah. The Falcons, you know what I mean? Like, are they going to be better? I mean, there's a lot of teams. The Vikings, I mean, the Vikings are decent, but, I mean, you know, they ran into San Francisco. They weren't going to beat them. Yeah. But 
there's a lot of teams for them. And like I said, I don't see I see this being a an issue, which is you know how it is. Team chemistry and all stuff that's that's gonna that plays a big deal, as you know. I think that's gonna be an issue. All right, as we wrap up, I gotta ask you an important question. I want you to power rank. You can't pick the misses and you can't pick the kids. Where does Sam Darnold land on most important people in your life? Okay. Um <laughs> I'm gonna say he's probably he's top five. He's not five though, so he's probably top four. Okay. Um, <laughs> top four, I'm gonna say. Today's his birthday, by the way. Happy birthday. He's twenty three years old. Um Younger than Joe Burrow, younger than Lamar Jackson, younger than Patrick Mahomes. Um, in the worst situation in football, worst GM, top two worst coach in football. Um, had the worst offensive line since, like, in the last 20 years of football. Um, worst receiving core, top bottom five receiving core in the last 20 years. And yeah, he's just like a PFF number eight ranked quarterback in the last 10 games this season with all of that madness going on around him. So just imagine once they build a team up, which they have, I'm pissed off they let Robbie Anderson go. Mm. Especially when them two had, them two had really good chemistry together. Yeah, but that's what Adam Gage does. He just like, he just rips apart chemistry. It's like what he does. Um, Yo, I felt, I felt that way about Hopkins and Watson, bro. Like, uh, me and my buddy Allen, when, when that trade went down, it's like, yo, how do you break that up? It's so rare where a receiver and a quarterback genuinely get along. Like, you see Ryan and Julio. There's never been any reports that, like, yo, Julio, like, needs the ball more or whatnot. Or, or like, he's, like, calling out Matt Ryan. And Hopkins and, and Watson, and shout out to my buddy Maldo, fan of the show. When I tweeted that out about how, man, you don't break that up. That's a special, like... Watson and Hopkins were, I, I thought they were, a, if you were to do a pie chart, that connection was the biggest reason why the Texans were good the last couple of years. Well, the Texans have nothing else to the, I mean, Watson, Hopkins, literally nothing else to the team. Like, what is that team without? Right, right. And you're banking on Will Fuller, who runs two routes a game, and then after that, he's limping on the sideline, and he misses six games? Seven games of the year. You so, know what I mean? So, Going going back to what you said about Robbie Anderson and Sam Darnold, I felt like that was a really good connection between the two. There was no heat between them. He complimented uh, Anderson. Anderson complimented what Sam Darnold does really well, and, and you let that go. Same shit with Watson and Hopkins. You let that go. I feel like it's so rare to find that. Like, Eli and Odell had something going on, but Eli, like we were talking about, like his arm just fell off. Yep. And eventually, like Odell... Yo, wide receiver is the most unique position in the NFL because if I'm a receiver, for me to get paid and for me to be productive, you're my quarterback. You got to get me to rock. And then we also need to have the big boys up front block for you. And also, when a team breaks the huddle, the first guys that separate from the huddle are the receivers. So you're always on an island. So as I've gotten older, one of the things that has changed for me is my perspective of a wide receiver position. And... I understand them like, yo, I need you to not be an asshole if you're my quarterback to get me the ball so I can get paid and I can be productive and I can help us win. So with Robbie Anderson and, and Sam Darnold, like, yeah, Darnold now, like, who's the best wide receiver they have? Crowder? Crowder. Who's not? That's not a bad. It's not bad. No, I know. Crowder. But he's but he's also a slot guy. Like, he's a very, very good slot yep. receiver. Yep. And now you're, we have. you're banking on this rookie, Mims, who I'm a fan yep. of. Yep. We got. 
Chris Herndon, hopefully he's coming back. Top seven tight end in the league. Be nice Went if healthy. he stays healthy. Yeah, same issue. With, it, it seems like both tight ends in New York got the same shit yep. going on. Like Evan Ingram, he wants to be, you know, his contract is up after this year. But it's like, yo, can, can you play eight games in a row before we start talking about contracts? Yeah. Like, exactly. fuck. We did. We got, uh, I mean, I'm assuming over McNamara is Thomas. Quincy Anunna was never probably going to play again mm-hmm. with the neck injury. Um, yeah, we got a bunch of no names, and like they're putting all this pressure on Sam to like do it, and it's like it's so unfair because you look at the other young quarterbacks. You look at Mahomes. What what's Mahomes? obviously Mahomes is in a different situation. He didn't he didn't go to a team that was like a bad team, right? A team that was already built, and they made a good choice by trading up to go get him. Um, Cleveland put nothing but weapons around Baker Mayfield. You know what I mean? Arizona put nothing but weapons around. Kyler Murray, Baltimore, nothing but weapons around Lamar Jackson. And you just see Daniel Jones, same thing. You just see they're not doing the same thing with Sam Darnold. Like, they're just, like, putting it on him, which is why the Jets have been, like, fucking historically for fucking 50. So, because um, they refuse to just build around and spend money. So, <clears throat> what's, uh, what's the one thing you're looking forward to the most in the NFL this year? And then we can wrap up with this. <laughs> one thing. Honestly, I want to see how teams defend Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that's uh that that I feel like is a very popular one because he did, he did something crazy last year. Like that was he. It, it's weird how like back to back years, man. We get Mahomes and then we get yeah. Lamar. It's like both are doing crazy shit. Like Mahomes is doing these no look passes and shit, and just like you know, even I compared him early, bro, early. Like after his fourth game, I was comparing him to Steph Curry because. Yeah. And then a lot of people started catching on. They didn't give me no credit, but we'll save that for when we really get to the where we want to get to. But yo, Steph Curry, right? Like he made that pregame shit mean something. Like people were going to the arena two hours before to see shoot around, which they were never doing in the past. Like I know, yeah. like in baseball, you're like, yo, let's go catch BP, right? Like let's yep. go early and let's go see him hitting, which is cool. But with Curry, it was like, oh shit, the Warriors are in town. The game starts at seven thirty. Now we gotta be there at like five thirty when the gate opens to go and see shoot around because yeah. he's gonna be doing this crazy shit. And then Mahomes too. Mahomes started doing all these passes, like eighty yards, just like in warm up, and it became a spectacle watching this dude. And then that transitioned into the field. And then Lamar Jackson, he had all the criticism coming in about like he should be a receiver, which really it was like two people in the media that said that. Yeah, Chris Morrison and some other old white dude. Yeah, Bill, like, Bill Polian were like, yeah. Uh, Locked yeah, yeah. So, but like you said, one one thing that I think is super underrated, bro. You mentioned how Mahomes went to a good situation. Lamar Jackson went to a good situation. It's a gift and a curse when you're the number one pick, because yes. what they're telling or the number three pick or number eight pick, you're going yeah. to a shitbag team. Yes. Mahomes went where he went, but they traded up to get him. Right, Watson. They got him where they got him. Watson was a little weird because, like, the Texans always, you would say, yo, they're one quarterback away from being a contender, and then they get Watson. But you're right, man. Like, with Darnold. Don't forget, they trade up for Watson, too. That's right. Um, That's right. They did. Yes. Wasn't in a bad situation either. I mean, he wasn't in a bad situation. I mean, you got to look at, like, Joe Burrow. Like, I feel bad for him Mm because Joe Burrow's most. But Cincinnati might be a better situation than the Jets because, like, they're drafting receivers. They're drafting linemen. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they've been drafting linemen in anticipation of drafting a quarterback. And so, you know? Right. So, like, Cincinnati's going to be better off. Cincinnati's always had talent. Like, it's not like they're just some shitty team. They've always had talent. Um, 
but like Lamar Jackson, like I said, defending him, I think those questions are still there. Like, can he be a, like a sufficient pass? Like, yeah, I see he had 36 touchdown passes, but I also see they're in a fucking near formation with seven tight ends in the game. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I see the stats, but the stats, if you d- dive deeper, he's still not a good passer. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. He's still not what you're like. If Tennessee defendants are more like, okay, you need to beat us passing the ball, he couldn't do it. The Chargers did it the year before, he couldn't do it. Um, I think it's interesting to see. Like, he doesn't take many hits, so I don't think the injury is going to be a factor. It's just, can he pass the ball? Like, you know, efficiently. You remember RG3 was like the greatest rookie quarterback to ever play the game? Yeah. Haven't heard from him since. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that that's why I'm really curious to see what happens with with Lamar Jackson to see if he's gonna be able to weather this storm now because now they got a whole year on him. They got a whole year. Plus, he has really no real off yeah. to get back. Got the whole OTAs training camp is probably going to be very limited. Mm. Um, we'll see. I, mean, I like Lamar Jackson. I'm a fan. Um, I just don't think passing wise he's the guy. Like, yeah. I think Mahomes' play is sustainable. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. R. Jackson, 1,200 rushing yards a year is sustainable. That's just just me. Yeah. Well, Steph, I appreciate you, man, as always. Appreciate um, you, man. A guy who I respect dearly and uh, glad that we still have a good relationship even years later. Yes, sir. Where, uh, where can people find you, man? I know I'm going to have it in the bio, too, but tell people... Where they can find you on social? Pretty much at Twitter. I don't even know my at, so you gotta give it. All right, but Twitter, <laughs> where I'm at, I mean, that's pretty much where you find me. Um, Facebook sometimes. Facebook is more for the family people, and Facebook is annoying, so I don't really go on there. And Mark Zuckerberg is a fascist as well, so I'm gonna get off his. I'm gonna get off of his his thing pretty soon, so put that out there, so. I'll have you. I'll have your Twitter up for sure, Steph. I appreciate yes. you, man, and I'll catch you next time. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. There you have it, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Um, tried to tie in some sports in there too because that's a topic that is very, very out there in sports as well. It's um, evident that there's still an issue with that in sports, also, and sports tend to be an escape for a lot of us and I do think we need sports back with the NBA coming back in a couple of months that's going to be really really cool but again I appreciate everyone listening coming off a very very good month of May April and May the show is doing really really well so hats off to all the listeners big shout out to Nick Chavez Christopher Velasquez Daniel Gibson Derek Pleiates Corey Johnson Hoops and my guy Ryan Pisner for your contributions to the Patreon. Patreon's going to look a little different moving forward. Working on some things to create some extra content for you guys. So I appreciate your contributions. At The Lamp Show is where you can find me. At Veterans Minimum is where you can find everything for the show. Give us a rate and review on iTunes. I'm going to be starting a campaign to get some rates and reviews. It helps build the show up. And lastly, the YouTube channel got some really dope stuff coming out. Um, putting a video together about racism in sports, and I think it has some legs. So if you guys go check that out, that'd be dope. YouTube.com slash Veterans Minimum, and I'll catch you guys next time.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.